Molly, what a handsome bag. Just like a binocular case. Have it home. The Outline World Dispatch. It's Monday, September 11th, 2017. I'm Tolu Adionwe. Today on The Dispatch. Tim Donnelly on five meaningless words. In the strongest possible terms. And William Turton on illegal job listings and accents. Asking for a neutral accent is in violation of federal hiring law. Here's The Dispatch. Culture. On August 12th, After an attack by a white supremacist in Charlottesville left one woman dead and 19 others injured, Donald Trump seemingly reluctantly took to his role as healer-in-chief. His comments delivered from his resort in Bedminster, New Jersey, included a five-word phrase to hammer home how serious he, or his speechwriters, wanted to come across. We condemn in the strongest possible terms this egregious display of hatred, bigotry, and violence on many sides on many sides. Critics said the comments felt disingenuous and dashed off, and the on many sides part made it seem like Trump was tiptoeing around offending the white supremacists who supported him in the election. He made a second round of comments about the violence at a press conference at Trump Tower in Manhattan a few days later. As I said on, remember this, Saturday, we condemn in the strongest possible terms this egregious display of hatred, bigotry, and violence. It has no place in America. And then I went on from there. Now, here's the thing as to, excuse me, excuse me. Take it nice and easy. So we know Trump is against the violence in the strongest possible terms. But what exactly are the strongest possible terms? I emailed Robert Lehrman, a former speechwriter for Vice President Al Gore, who now teaches public speaking at American University. He told me, quote, As a speechwriter, I would only keep that meaningless phrase in a speech if I was ordered to keep my finger off the delete key. Bad writers have used that phrase for decades. They think abstract words make you sound smart. They don't. The verbal tick of denouncing something in the strongest possible terms has been around for a while. It's hard to say where it first appeared in political speech, but it's been used since at least 1942, where it showed up in an allied nation's declaration against the extermination of Jews in Europe. Quote, The above-mentioned governments and the French National Committee condemn in the strongest possible terms this bestial policy of cold-blooded extermination. Monty Python later used the phrase for laughs in a sketch in 1969 in which John Cleese reads a fake letter of complaint about the now-problematic Lumberjack song. Dear sir, I wish to complain in the strongest possible terms about the song which you have just broadcast about the Lumberjack who wears women's clothes. But the phrase has bubbled up more frequently in recent years, and it's by no means just a Trumpism. The University of California at Berkeley used it in a statement denouncing violence that broke out before a Milo Yiannopoulos event in February. Madam President, I have just been informed... Bernie Sanders used it in June after the shooter who injured Representative Steve Scalise was revealed to be a Sanders supporter. I am sickened by this despicable act, and let me be as clear as I can be. Violence of any kind is unacceptable in our society, and I condemn this action in the strongest possible terms. The phrase is a meaningless, empty shortcut around saying something moving, comforting, or inspiring. It's a checkmark to shield yourself from criticism. Look, we said we condemn this as much as possible. What else could we do? It's like sending thoughts and prayers after disaster. It doesn't actually accomplish anything. 
Trump's use of it reveals just how hollow the phrase is. We're closely following the terrible events unfolding in Charlottesville, Virginia. This is me speaking. On August 22nd, Trump practically whined that he didn't get credit for using the phrase when speaking at a rally in Phoenix. So I'm condemning the strongest possible terms, egregious display, hatred, bigotry, and violence. Okay, I think you can't do much better, right? David Mark is a veteran Washington journalist and co-author of the book Dog Whistles, Walkbacks, and Washington Handshakes, decoding the jargon, slang, and bluster of American political speech. He pointed out to me that Trump immediately contradicted himself anyway when he added the on many sides tag. He essentially contradicted himself because he's condemning white supremacists, neo-Nazis, etc. in the strongest possible terms, but then he's creating a moral equivalency with other protesters. In a sense, that's not really condemning in the strongest possible terms. Trump seems to have no interest in becoming a great orator, but he is an undeniably effective showman, prone to buzzwords and exclamations over something original. It's possible his speechwriters employed the phrase because of its neutral familiarity, so pundits wouldn't have to parse the actual terms he used. David Marks said that, in contrast, Bernie Sanders' use of it seemed somewhat more genuine. He's not equivocating. He wasn't saying, I condemn this in the strongest possible terms, but you know, this guy was sing- for single-payer health care, and he agreed with me on other issues. Right. But he said, I don't want anything to do with this guy. So while Bernie Sanders uses the strongest possible terms to distance himself from hateful violence, Donald Trump's strongest possible terms only got him closer. Tim Donnelly is a freelance journalist. The future. I'm here with William Turton, who's been finding job listings looking for candidates with, quote, neutral accents. It turns out that might not be legal. Hey, William. So what's up with these job listings you found? So if you go on sites like LinkedIn or Monster, you'll find job listings that will ask applicants to have a neutral accent. Some will say it's required, some will say it's preferred, but experts agree that asking for a neutral accent is in violation of federal hiring law. The U.S. Equal Employment Opportunity Commission says treating employees differently because they have a foreign accent is lawful only if it materially interferes with being able to do the job. If a person has an accent but is able to communicate effectively and be understood in English, he or she cannot be discriminated against. Okay, so what kinds of jobs are are asking for this neutral accent? Uh, some were like sales representatives. Some were people that were, you know, they were looking for executives for their company. One was like a software engineer. Um, a lot of them were English teachers, um, which is where these employers might have what our experts called a bona fide occupational qualification, um, which is kind of this legal framework that is within this federal hiring law that says, you know, this is an exception to where you could ask for a neutral accent. Intone Abood, a professor of practice at the School of Labor and Employment Relations at Penn State, told me, that one of these qualifications might be if you were recruiting an actor to play President Dwight Eisenhower and you needed his specific accent. Um, But otherwise, most experts agree that it's illegal to ask that employees have a neutral accent. So what is a neutral accent? So it's not exactly clear what they mean when they ask for a neutral accent. 
it's not defined in any of these job listings. It just simply says a neutral accent is required or preferred. I spoke to John Nellis. Uh, I, w- I work as an actor, but this other line that I have is working as a dialect coach for film and television. And he thinks that when employers are asking for a neutral accent, what they're really asking for is a non-regional accent. What they're really asking for is what we would call non-regional American speech. They, they don't want a speech which will geographically place this person somewhere, and they don't want something which is going to be hard to understand. The person who in America who is really well known for creating this sort of what was termed good speech was a woman named Edith Skinner. In the 40s, she wrote a book called Speak with Distinction. There's a, there's a quote here I can read you that de- describes it. She said, uh, good speech is hard to define, but easy to recognize when we hear it. Good speech is a dialect of North American English that is free from regional characteristics, recognizably North American, yet suitable for classic texts, effortlessly articulated and easily understood in the last rows of the theater. It's American speech, but people can't tell where you're from when you speak that. I think, it, I think it, it's something within speech circles, which is a better way of describing it, because neutral means neutral from what? It doesn't really tell you what it's neutral from, whereas non-regional, like I grew up in the Midwest in Iowa, and a lot of people would say, you know, we want a Midwestern accent because it's, it, because it's neutral. And I would say, well, actually, it's not neutral. neutral. The Midwest has very distinct active accent patterns. So what is the responsibility of the websites? Like you said, you found these on LinkedIn and Monster. Do they have any responsibilities in the situation? Right. So I guess legally these companies like LinkedIn and Monster might not have uh, any culpability here because they're not the ones actually hosting the listing and they're not the one doing the hiring. But why aren't these websites searching for things like this in job listings, things that are kind of obviously in violation of federal hiring laws, couldn't they simply do a search and see who's asking for a neutral accent and flag those job listings? Um, I'm I'm not sure why um, these companies are allowing listings like this to appear. William Turton is a staff writer here at The Outline. That's it for The Dispatch. Remember, if you like the show, you can subscribe on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, or anywhere else you get podcasts. I'm Tolu Adyonwe. Thanks for listening. We'll be back with more stories tomorrow.